Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Hello and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. This is Darren Mitchell and I trust wherever you are, you've been enjoying a really highly productive and super sales week so far as we approach the middle of the week. Another hump day. Geez, these days go really quickly and I don't know whether it's the fact that we're getting older or the days appear to be shorter, but uh, time is flying and particularly 2020 has been no exception to that. So hopefully, uh, if you're a first-time listener, thank you, welcome on board, and hopefully uh, I can add value to you when it comes to all things sales and sales leadership. And if you've been a returning listener, again, thank you for listening in, and hopefully the topics that I've been covering over the last few months have been worthwhile and adding value to you and your sales leadership journey towards being exceptional, but also paying it forward to your sales team as well. So one of the things I've been, um, I've been seeing a lot of themes recently and, and a lot of training I've been doing and there's been a lot of virtual training obviously because of COVID. In fact, I think last week was the first time in about four months that I was actually able to get out face-to-face and run a workshop and uh, I put, a, put business pants on for the first time in months, which was, which was really, really interesting. Had to remember to put those on, but I must say it was great to get out and talk to people face-to-face instead of uh, having to do everything via the, the trusty Zoom in the virtual world. But it's one of those things that we've had to learn through this COVID pandemic this year in particular, that uh, the virtual world is there and there's technology available to us that can enable us to be effective when it comes to either coaching, running meetings, running presentations, running workshops that uh, we can tap into and really utilize the technology. Now, will this change in terms of the way we do business? I don't necessarily think so. I think this will just be another addition to the kit bag that people have at their disposal when it comes to communication and hey particularly for internal communication i think that the days of maybe traveling for organizations internal meetings uh, so traveling from melbourne to sydney or melbourne to brisbane or wherever wherever you are in terms of domestic flights just the sheer amount of time that it takes to get from one city to the next just for an internal meeting is not only a huge amount of cost in terms of dollars but it's also a huge amount of cost in terms of time so I think more and more companies are now going to recognize that there still will be an element of business travel, but probably more geared around external and maybe partner interactions versus maybe the internal conversations that they know they can have now over places like Zoom. And so one of the things that I've been doing a bit of in the last month or so is running some trainings for trainers and for leaders on how to best use the virtual space. And I wanted to share today... 20 tips on how to best deliver via Zoom in the virtual environment. And hopefully this will be of value, particularly if you're using Zoom in your in your day-to-day activities, but also if you're using things like Microsoft Teams, it just applies for the same, or even Business Skype, for example. Thinking about how you can use these tips to your best advantage so that you can still create a great experience for your audience, for your participants, but also give you some information in terms of how you can best set yourself up to give every opportunity of making sure that it's a, it's a positive experience as for you as well. And so there's 20 tips I wanted to cover off and I've, I've shared this with a few, a few groups now and it's been really useful for them and it's something that I certainly implement for myself as well when it comes to running workshops virtually but also running coaching sessions which I'm doing a lot of one-on-ones which is, which is great because I don't have to travel as much and it means that I can talk to clients in various different states without the need for, uh, for travel for, for both of us which is working out really well. So let me share with you 20 tips of how to deliver via Zoom in a most effective way. And these 
these are pretty much based on common sense, but it's interesting the number of people I've been interacting with, particularly this year, who are using Zoom, and some may be well, relatively new to Zoom or relatively new to the virtual space. And so there are some things to be aware of, particularly when it comes to camera positions and so forth. So hopefully this is of value, uh, and you can use this for yourself to just fine-tune what you're doing over the virtual space, but also if your team are doing conversations or running meetings, running sessions with clients, for example, how you can start to use these tips to better inform them and therefore put the odds in their favor and have a much more successful, more impactful and more effective meeting and interaction with their customer. So let's go through these and I'll just I'll touch on these briefly. And as I go through these, I'll challenge you and encourage you to think about, okay, are you doing this? Have you got a setup uh, that's going to be conducive to a positive experience via Zoom or are there some gaps right now in your virtual strategy or the way you're setting up Zoom or any other type of virtual platform. So the first one is making sure that we've got an appropriate backdrop in the room. Now, one of the things about a lot of these virtual platforms, and Zoom is one of the one of the most popular ones right now, is there's a lot of virtual backgrounds you can choose from within Zoom itself. Now, that, that might be great because you've got uh, the moon, you've got, uh, I think there's a, West, uh, not a Westgate bridge, that's in Victoria, the Golden Gate Bridge in, in America as a background. The only problem with some of these back, virtual backgrounds is if you're moving around too much, particularly if you're quite expressive when it comes to moving your hands, very easily you can be lost in the background. So one of the things that I've, I've used is not a background at all, but I've made sure that I've got a good setup in my in my office here that has a bookshelf, but also has a flip chart there that if I need to use and I can call upon it to, to use in as part of my training and part of my coaching sessions. So if you've got a green screen, that's another great thing to do as well is put a green screen behind you because then you've got a little bit more flexibility in terms of what sort of uh, logos or what sort of backdrop you want to put on your particular screen. And when you do that, there's a lot less uh, capability or possibility of you being lost in terms of your ear being chopped off or your arm being chopped off if you're moving around. So the first tip is make sure you've got an appropriate backdrop. The second tip is make sure you've got a quiet room with no distractions. Now, this is easier said than done because I know a lot of people are working in environments right now where they don't have an office. They don't have a study in their house and they're using the kitchen table or the, bath, or some, the bathroom for some people, but the dining room table or even the bedroom. Uh, I've run a number, number of sessions where people have been sitting in a, in a rocker in their bedroom or in some cases sitting on their bed itself. So making sure you've got a room that has no distractions and it precludes people from walking in because there's nothing more distracting for people on a Zoom call than having people on the, on the call, on the video, move, move into picture and start having a conversation. So make sure you've got a quiet room with no, no distractions. The next tip is to make sure you're testing your equipment. And I'm a big one on this because I don't like technology in the best of times. And my preference is to always run workshops with, with uh, flip charts. So I like to be able to write on flip charts because then we can have a more engaging conversation. Now I need to use technology over the virtual space and I'll have to use PowerPoint for example. But I need to make sure that the equipment is always going to be working ahead of the training session because there's nothing worse than setting up a session and starting your session and the technology doesn't work. So making sure we test it well ahead of the, t of the session or ahead of the meeting is an absolute monty when it comes to making sure you stack the odds in your favor. Also do this, arrive early at the meeting. So if you've got a meeting scheduled for say 9.30 in the morning, don't turn up at 9.30, particularly if you're gonna be the host of that particular meeting. Make sure you're in there about five minutes earlier so at least you've opened the Zoom room and you're ready then to receive people as they come in to the room itself. And when it comes to then sitting at your computer, because a lot of people will be sitting down, make sure you're sitting up with your posture being really straight and not leaning back in your chair because that creates a great uh, impression 
particularly a first impression when people are coming into your room. So making sure your posture is really straight, your back is upright, and your shoulders, of course, standing, uh, sitting back. Tip number six is to make sure your camera is set at, a, uh, at an angle which provides a good visual of your face, your shoulder, and your arms. There's nothing worse, and it's so funny when you see this. Some people are using iPhones or iPads or laptops that uh, are maybe on their lap, and they've got the camera pointing upwards, and all you really see is looking up somebody's nostril, or in some cases, you're seeing people's chins, right? So you're not necessarily being able to get really good eye contact in. So certainly when when we're running a session, when we're running a, a meeting and we're chairing it, make sure you've got your laptop or your camera in a position which best illustrates your best uh, visual. So do it as much as you possibly can as if you're in the, in the room itself and put it at a good height where you're portraying the best image you can of yourself. And when it comes to people coming on, make sure you're always greeting people as they pop onto the screen. So don't wait for everybody to come on and then announce everybody. As people come on, just say hello as you would normally do if you greeted somebody in a business meeting or they're coming into a meeting room. Make sure you make it personal and use their use their names and invite their interaction when they're, when they're involved in the room as well. So making sure it's personal, making sure you're building that uh, rapport early on because it's adding to your credibility, making people feel welcome. And I've done a number of sessions in the last, last month or so where there was going to be a person introduce me, but I've done all the introductions beforehand, which means it's a lot easier for the person who was going to set the context for the training or for the session to then introduce me because I've already done that. So it sets it off the meeting on a really good foot when you invite people to participate, but also when you greet them as they come onto the screen. Now, point number nine is ask your participants to use their video. Now, this is a really big one because too often, and I shared a story today with a group that uh, we were doing a training about a month ago, and I think there was about 15 to 20 people in the training, but all of the pers- all of the people except for one person had their cameras turned off. So I was literally having a one-on-one conversation with with one person, and it was quite disconcerting because everybody everybody else could see us and everybody else could hear us, but nobody else had their cameras on. So I learned a really valuable lesson there to set the tone up front to make sure that in a virtual training session or in a virtual meeting. We want to treat this as much as we possibly can as a face-to-face meeting, which means I'd like to see people's faces and therefore I can manage the room, manage the dynamics and look at people's body language and then read the room and change my approach accordingly based on that. Really difficult, if not impossible to do when people have their videos switched off. So please, when you're using the virtual space, particularly Zoom, please ask people to have their video turned on so you can actually then work on the eye contact with those individuals. What we also might have to do is uh, speak with a slightly uh, slower pace when it comes to the virtual space because with internet connections, sometimes there's a little bit of lag. So if you normally speak at at a fast pace, it might just have to be dialing it back a little bit, slowing it down somewhat and being conscious of the fact that there might be a bit of a lag, a bit of a delay in terms of your voice reaching the people on the on the call itself. Point number 11, start by introducing yourself and how the session is going to unfold and what tools potentially we're going to use. So not dissimilar to how you would set up a, a, a coaching session or a training session or a meeting in face-to-face, setting the context and letting people know how the session is going to run and what sort of tools we're going to use and what the expectations will be. Because that leads into point number 12, which is discussing the online etiquette. Now, what's really interesting about this is sometimes you'll have sessions where people want to just uh, talk over each other. People have uh, background noise that tends to be a little bit distracting for some as well. So whilst I prefer to have people's videos on, sometimes it's also good to have people on mute. 
And then when it comes to discussing the participation, I'll always make sure that, uh, particularly in groups of 20 and below, I'll always make sure that our preference is to use the discussion function. So come off mute and actually have a conversation so I can see you rather than use the chat function. But if you have got meetings where there's more than 20, I'd say from an online perspective, thinking about making use of the chat function is a good way of, of continuing to get that interaction because there'll be some people, particularly in bigger groups, who might be a little bit conscious of speaking in front of a group and therefore they might feel it more preferable to use the online chat function. So making use of that in the best possible way you can as well. The third, point number 13 is asking if everyone's okay. So it will be, sometimes it's going to be uh, participants first time using Zoom and what I always do is any new session with a group I'll always ask whether people are experienced in Zoom or whether they're first time users and just take a little bit of time up front to show them what the what the Zoom platform looks like what are some of the functionality is so they can get a really good introduction and feel comfortable from day one uh, and not look silly when I ask questions throughout the, the session and them not knowing what buttons to press or how to come off mute, for example. So just setting the tone and asking if everybody's okay and, and, and understanding that there'll be some people who will be using Zoom, for example, for the very first time. The big thing around uh, of this and around feedback, for example, which is point four, 14 and point 15, is the reason I want to have video on all the time is I can continue to watch for visual cue, visual cue so I can keep an eye on people and I can start reading the room. Now, it's a lot easier to do this in a face-to-face in a, in a meeting room or in a, or a conference room. A lot more difficult to do on the virtual space because particularly if you're sharing content, you've only got a limited number of panels that you can use to view people and therefore have keep a watch and eye over people's body language. So looking for visual clues and looking for whether people are leaning forward, whether they're leaning back, whether they're getting tired, because all of these will give you some indications as to whether you need to put a break in, you might need to actually ask a question, do an activity, uh, or what have you. So just being visually aware of that is going to help you create a much better outcome for your audience and therefore get better better experiences for your, for your people that are coming to those meetings and those presentations. So point number 15 is when it does come for a feedback, sometimes when you ask something of a group uh, in a room, it's it's it tends to be easier for people to want to put their hand up because they feel uh, more comfortable in some cases putting their hand up and sharing within their within their peers. It's a different story sometimes on Zoom, and sometimes people are going to be more reticent to want to share stuff. So when it comes to getting feedback, I'm often having to ask people for feedback and looking at and not targeting people, but saying, hey, Jasmine, is, is it okay if I ask you some questions? Or Jasmine, what, what's your perspective on this particular topic? Or what was your key insight out of that conversation we just had with, with Tom? Uh, so asking people by name for feedback is a great way of getting engagement because the other thing is if they're asked for feedback, uh, they're more likely to respond to that feedback rather than offer it up uh, when you're just general and not actually asking somebody's name. So point number 16 is you might have to pause for longer, which is similar to uh, slowing down your speech. So given that there might be some delays in your connection and might be some delays in terms of the of the lag, in terms of the, uh, for, for example, your pages uh, coming up on your screen might be a lot quicker than how it appears on the people's screens that are in your meeting, uh, pause for a little bit longer. So have a little bit of a gap before you then start talking about a particular topic or a particular slide if you're using PowerPoint. Um, always introduce the chat function as a way for them to communicate with you. So as I said, making, I always make sure that I'll have a conversation first, but if people are preferring, preferring to use chat, I'll always make sure that that's an option for them and give them some instructions as well in terms of whether you want to have the ability for people to chat with each other 
and therefore have some instant messaging work between them or whether the chat function is only going to be for them to interact with you and therefore ask you direct questions or make comments directly to you. So that's a function to keep in mind as well. And point number 18 is it's it's a lot more difficult, it's a lot more fatiguing uh, doing virtual training, doing virtual meetings, doing conversations over Zoom because you've got to concentrate more. So it's really important that you take a break when you need to. And if you're running longer sessions, take a lot of uh, smaller breaks uh, more often, but also make sure you've got enough water at your desk so you remain hydrated, which you should do anyway, but even more so when you're running sessions over Zoom because uh, you might be doing a lot of talking and therefore you need to keep your fluids up. Uh, the last two points, point number 19, it sort of goes without saying that in order for us to engage our audience, we need to build rapport. And the best way to build rapport is to use our body language, particularly our eyes. So a key part of the virtual space is being really conscious of where your camera is on your laptop or on your device and making sure you're looking as much as you possibly can at that camera because that will actually demonstrate that you're uh, generating eye contact with your participants and that will keep your participants engaged. So it's a really big key one. Uh, I see too many people having multiple screens and they'll be having a conversation at their screen because that's the big screen they're looking at but their camera is on a completely different device and therefore from an audience perspective, it, it feels and it looks as if the person is not engaging with them as an individual. They're more looking at a screen and therefore sometimes the message doesn't resonate as much as it could be and should be. And the last point, point number 20, is just three key words. Practice, practice, practice. This is the new way. This is the, the virtual world I think is going to be here and it's going to be even more prevalent in our day-to-day lives. So whether you're a sales leader running a virtual team, a sales leader running a team that gets together on a regular basis but also has a lot of virtual meetings with customers, with partners, with each other, then we're going to be using Zoom and other virtual platforms as a, as a lot more of a core business tool and therefore it stands to reason that we have to build a level of competency around this. So practice, practice, practice. Whenever you can get on a, on a Zoom call and practice and use different pieces of technology and see what works and what doesn't, then do that. So practice until you build a higher level of competence and therefore build a higher level of confidence. So there are 20 tips on how to deliver via Zoom. So whether you're running a workshop, whether you're running a coaching session, whether you're running meetings, or whether you're engaging with customers, there's some things to think about, put in your kit bag to stack the odds in your favor for getting a much better outcome for your particular interaction. So I trust that message helps. I hope it uh, adds value. And of course, a reminder, if, if you'd like some help with your sales leadership and taking your sales leadership to the exceptional level and in the process, helping your team drive those sustainable and replicable results, hey, I'd love to have a conversation. Let's jump on a call and talk about what that program looks like. Simply go to leadwithdarren.com, pick a time that suits, and I'll give you a call and we'll have a conversation. I look forward to that. And of course, if we're not connected yet on LinkedIn, love to connect with you and interact on the LinkedIn platform. Simply send me a connection request and I'll be sure to accept that. So again, trust this message helps. We've got to use Zoom. We've got to use virtual platforms a lot more because they're going to become a normal way of doing things, a normal way of doing business and a normal way of communicating. So let's take advantage of the technology and use it to our fullest advantage. And I look forward to talking to you again on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.